from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. And we are here at the Badass Counseling Show. My name is Sven Erlins and I am your host. Welcome to all of you tuning in around the world from Mozambique to Mississippi and Tuscaloosa all the way over to Tokyo. It's great to have you here. I am joined in studio today by the ever brilliant KC in the booth and the ever beautiful <laughs> Rob the Rocket. How are you today, uh, Rob? I get that all the time. <laughs> Your your silky voice for sure. I'm sure that's it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and what's new and groovy, Rob? Well, I've got my new grandson staying with us. It's very exciting. It's a it's a funny kind of experience. He's two months old, my first grandchild, and it's it's weird. You know, it's like your kid once removed, and it makes you very present. Really? It reminds me of that time you said to me, Rob, you're self-aware, and I said I already knew that. <laughs> well played, that, Rob. That sort of thing. And that was what I was alluding to on a previous show when I said we were going to have the most beautiful person we've ever had in studio. We're going to have it on an upcoming episode, probably our next lightning round, and that will be little guy, the new baby, grandbaby. So we're, we are all excited on the show, very excited for Rob and uh, the family. Rob, we have a guest tonight, uh, interesting one tonight. Uh, tell us about Mac, Rob. Okay, Sven, glad to. Mac wrote into us and he reported this. Sven asked me for one paragraph on what I was struggling with. Here it is. I'm fucking scared to death. I'm about to turn 60 with virtually no idea what to do next. I'm about to be out of a job, and that decision was made by my three brothers. I'm heartbroken, having been dumped by another woman who told me she loved me. I've always been able to believe something good was coming, and now I believe I wouldn't notice it if it did. I don't trust my inner voice anymore. If not for my children, I don't know if I'd believe I was worth a damn. I have tried to be aware and intentional about the fact that I was a people pleaser. Now I wonder if I'm the narcissist or extreme taker. The gym is the only thing that makes sense to me these days. Rudderless, busted compass, I'm afraid. Thanks. That was fun. <laughs> Mac, good to have you on the show. How are you? Thanks for talking to me. Pleasure is ours. Pleasure is ours. Well, let's go ahead and get to work. Um, I'm gonna just going to start right at the top where you started. I'm about to be out of a job, and that was decision was made by my three brothers. Got to ask, what are the circumstances there? It's, it's rectified um, to some degree. It may not have been as big as I made it out to be at the moment. I might have read things in that weren't involved. My brothers and I are going through our father passing, and um, and I don't know how specific we can get into all of this. Whatever you want. I was overseeing some things and overseeing the operation of the business we are inheriting from our father. And people just got all crossed up and crossways, and it was... It was funky, but it was never really as fractured as I made it out to be. Okay. How's that? Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, you have a job. Yes. Okay. Very good. And uh, you said your father passed away. Um, yes. Last December. Last December. And uh, mother's still alive. Mother passed away. Mother passed in September. Been a year. Wow. Wow. What's that been like? Strange for me. What's the strangest part? Haven't really 
had the huge wave of sadness and mourning and grief over my mom that I probably should have had. Mm. Yeah, I miss her terribly at times. There are, I don't know if I'm grieving it the way I should be. Why, why do you think that is? And you mentioned should, but you're not, so that implies you're not, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Why do you think the real reason, if you were to take a guess at it, what do you think the reason is that you're not? My parents' marriage was a dumpster fire. Okay. I don't know that I wasn't the human shield for a fair amount of my upbringing. We were put in some awkward places between the two of them and by both of them. Nobody, either everybody's a criminal or nobody is in in that deal. Um, So I don't know if at some point I just detached from it a little bit. Did you, um, do you have grief over your dad's death? It's about the same. Interesting. I'm nervous to tell you what I think my head is telling me. Tell like me. Because like I said, I don't trust it. Well, give it a shot. We'll take it for a spin. What's your head telling you? My parents tried. Mm-hmm. My, my parents loved us. By some standards, may or may not have been as good at it as others have been. And they, they both did their shit. And ultimately, I just decided particularly with my mom, because my dad and I, we just spent years mad at each other and fighting, and then we'd come back together and we'd fight, and me and mom never really did. But I just kind of decided not to be mad at my mom. Hmm. And um, I don't know if everything else came with it or if I shut down. And and what was the reason you decided not to be mad at your mom? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just curious. My mom was a, a sweet, loving, wonderful soul. And what good was it going to do me or her for me to be mad at her, you know? And yet you obviously were mad at her. If you had to stop being mad at her, that implies you were mad at her. And so in one sentence or less, what would you say in your lifetime uh, from your past years uh, you were most mad at her for? It felt like I was used a bit as a human shield. She and my father would be in conflict and I would get kind of pulled into the middle of it how and how or, i mean if it, if it, in. and how would okay or inject yourself to do what to defend mom defend dad or how did you get pulled in as the human shield in what way mostly did it happen what are we really talking about here i mean was there physical abuse so you had to step in and defend one of the parents or what are we talking about it didn't it didn't get to it didn't raise to that level okay my dad there wasn't any other Never any of that that I saw. We took it. We got the belt when we were kids. Uh huh. So then, how were you roped into the middle of? How were you roped into the middle of these uh, disputes, arguments, what have you? My mom just kind of let herself be the doormat, and my dad would run her over, and then ultimately, I would feel obligated to step in in some way, either deflect it and make him angry at me instead of her. You know, there was just never peace in the house, mm. and she wasn't really going to fight for it. Do you wish she had? Yeah, I guess. Because uh, the only reason I ask about uh, sort of these questions about mom and, and also about dad, on the feelings thing, you say, you know, maybe I should be grieving them. I'm not. Um, then you mentioned that, you know, you sort of shut down the anger for mom a while back. She's, you know, sweet, loving old woman. What's the point? Um, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You made a choice. Nothing wrong with that. Um, very often if we shut down one feeling, we often shut down the others that go with it. 
And that when we unlock one, whether it's unlock the grief and the anger comes or unlock the anger and the grief comes, whatever it might be, um, uh, or it could just be that, you know, sometimes the the love, which naturally l- causes grief, if we lose love, like you had mentioned with, you know, women and so forth, I'm heartbroken having been dumped by a woman. Okay, so you love someone and you lose them and that causes grief. And so uh, no doubt all of the, the anger, the, the sadness, the grief is all, uh, and the love to a large degree, all locked down together. That it sounds like, I mean, you grow up in a home of chaos and where there's no peace and a dumpster fire, you kind of, the self-protection mechanism, once you're allowed to finally protect yourself, is just to shut all that shit down. Because, I mean, it, I got to believe to a large degree, not every memory, but a lot of memories are just fucking charged with whatever. Um, would that be reasonable to say? Yeah. Okay, so then uh, just bouncing over then from there, from the deaths, and we can always come back to that, and we may, uh, from mom and dad dying in the last year. But uh, you're saying that hasn't really hit me. So then what you're going through now, that I would offer that stuff's got to be packed down there somewhere, that, the anger, the sadness, the love, all of it. Um, and uh, But so then the the stuff that's been going on inside of you is not related to that, or at least not sort of directly. I'm heartbroken over having been dumped by another woman who told me she loved me. Um, what was that like? Was a actually a long ago relationship that got rediscovered a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Took it very slow. Started to this person is uh, coming out of divorce. I took it very slow. I truly tried to recognize the things that. Uh, you know, I think I'm a people pleaser by nature. I think I could possess some of that cringy stuff that comes with it. So, I mean, for a year, we hung out, not a year, 10 months before we ever decided to be a couple. <clears throat> Once we decided to be a couple, things escalated very quickly. Not by me, I might add. And then 21st of November, out of the clear blue over really yeah what did she say i needed to heal more before i escalated this relationship wait she said you needed to heal more or she needed to heal she more? did ah interesting what do you make of that if i only had a clue i i use a tiktok term the the love bombing was there i think she just freaked out sven i think she just freaked out got scared and Rant. And how long were you guys uh, when you one from when you decided to be serious to then her bolting on in November? How long? What was the duration of time? Six months. Wow. And you guys used the word love, and she told you she loved you, and your heart. You stated you're heartbroken now. What's the hardest part, Mac? Interestingly, and I was really on tilt when I wrote that paragraph. I'm coming to realize. It's all, or, or feel like everything is fear. I don't know if I'm grieving her or I'm grieving being alone or if I'm still afraid to be alone. The day all this goes down and we go from being a really busy business to being empty in the middle of nowhere. We're having strategic discussions over here that don't look good for me. This happens over there. I'm just completely in chaos and as I get a little bit further away from it, feels like it was panic. 
And what do you think was at the root of the panic? Okay, so the, when you were talking about this thing shutting down, you're talking about your father's business that now with father passing, gets passed to the boys, you're in charge of it. Um, and then you had gotten wind from your brothers that, hey, fuck you, you're out. And uh, and then... No, it was it was more, it wasn't fuck you, were, it never was that. Oh, okay. But, it, and it was a reasonable business look to consider shutting the active operation down while we got everything else sorted out. Fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, but the business is looking like it's going to shut down. What the fuck am I going to do? And then uh, this woman breaks up with you, walks away and says, gee, I need to heal myself more, which could have been the Seinfeld. The, it's not you, it's me. You know, nothing wrong with you, it's me. You know, it could have been that, who the hell knows? Um, and so those two things hit you pretty hard. And so you said what it might've been was panic, uh, of those two things hitting you. Nonetheless, back to my original question, and that is what was the hardest part for you was, or is the hardest part for you about her leaving you? I thought I had really done things well in terms of this relationship. I had put in effort you know, we had a little bit of geographical challenge that I dealt with. What was the hardest part? I, I, I really thought this one was a fairy tale, goes back to childhood, then it rekindles, then you hear all of these things and it's so wonderful and you think it's so great. And I, at one point, had actually, because I'd become a little slow to trust, I had actually, at about month number four, said, okay, let's lean in let's you know let it go and go where the universe takes us and you know consciously decided <laughs> and then two months later i was completely wrong about everything related to that relationship wow wasn't wrong about my brothers my brothers are still my brothers but about that relationship i was wrong about everything and that's where i just said uh, dude, your compass is a piece of shit. Well, okay, fair, <laughs> fair. That's one assessment. But is the other assessment, is another assessment, is it possible that she hoodwinked you? That she, you know, or that, or even that where she was at, that, uh, you know, she was being honest and she was putting herself out there and maybe she had her own issues. Maybe her statement is actually true. Maybe she does have more healing to do. Maybe to your earlier point where you said, you know, maybe she just freaked out. Maybe at the thought of commitment or getting close to someone and maybe you couldn't have seen it in advance. Maybe, you know, that she was presenting as clearly as she could. You were open to it. You took it slowly. You didn't rush into it. Um, and so uh, the notion then that, God, what did I miss? My compass is off and so on and so forth. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. That, uh, you know, we, we just got uh, socked with snow here on the East Coast. And a friend of mine was out driving and uh, went through, you know, began to slow down for the intersection because it's crappy weather. And, you know, I'm from the North Country and that's what you do. And uh, he slid right into the intersection and bang, you know, hit another car. You can do everything and you can even slow down at that intersection. But man, you hit that black ice, you, it, things happen. It, it just, you know, and so, you know, you take all the precautions, but to some degree you can't, 
maybe beat yourself up. I am curious about this, though. Um, you had mentioned that I had been slow to trust. What has caused you? And there's nothing wrong with being slow to trust. And as we age, we sort of slow things down a bit, and we just take our time, and we realize there's no rush. When we're you know 20 or 25, it's like, ah, oh, fuck that. I'm not waiting for anything. Come on, let's go, right? Um, what? So there's you know some normalcy to that, but uh, you characterize yourself as been slow to trust. Why have you? What has caused you to be grumped to become slow to trust? What above all else? Divorce. There's both. Yeah, you one divorce, seven divorces. One, you, one divorce. How long had you? Twenty-eight been, years. Twenty-eight years. How long ago did that happen, Mac? Eight years ago. And uh, just out of curiosity, whose divorce was it? Yours or hers? Hers. Interesting. Ouch. And what was uh, her reason for her primary reason for wanting a divorce? Economics. I had a business. I, I, I am an entrepreneurial soul. I always have been. I was in the building material supply business in 2008. And if your uh, brain goes back to that, um, we were, uh, we went under, we took a bunch of bad debt and uh, we didn't make it. And that really set us back. Mm. Um, mm. And then I, I tried, you know, to do other things. And I was a little bouncy aroundy for a bit. I made a living. And she was a much more traditional person who would have very much preferred that I just took a job working for somebody and took my lunch pail in at eight and went home at five and kind of did things that way, which never really suited me or worked for me that long. I could do it. I was good at it, but for only a period of time before I get restless. So the idea of being happy in your work and, you know, creating something you're, you're enjoying and proud of and so forth that was not acceptable by her. Right. All right. Particularly when it didn't work. Right. Wow, that's hard. Boy, you think you have the years in with somebody and the loyalty and fuck it, we'll do it together. Don't worry about it, honey. You know, I got your back. None of that. That hurts. Uh, it was much more like, I can't believe you did this to me. Oh, <laughs> because you caused the market downturn of 2008. Mac, I've been wondering who to yell at for the fucking loss of money. You fucking dick. Um, all right, right here. <laughs> We're going to come right back to this, Mac. We'll be right back right after this short break. I counseled with Badass Counseling for about four months, and Sven completely turned my life around. He kicked my butt. No shit. He made me do homework, too, but I was so ready for a change that I just did it all. I'm telling you, he changed my life. Thank you so much, Badass Counseling. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. We're back with Mac. Mac, uh, you had said that the uh, divorce happened about uh, 2016-ish, about eight years ago. And, uh, you know, it had been love and it was her divorce um, characterize the pain level for you of her divorcing you um, on a scale of one to 10 being 10 being excruciating. What was the pain level for you of that divorce? 10. 10. And how long was it a 10? Oh, probably eight months, nine months, maybe a year. I started dating somebody at that eight month mark that took the edge off. But and then it it probably carried a little further than that. But there was another person, so give or take a year, I'm, I would say. Okay, gotcha. Now, interestingly, 
I was totally cool with the idea of getting divorced. Okay. We worked our own settlement out. We didn't, we had some stuff to split up, but you know, we got all that done. It was all fine. Sign, sign, done, done. Um, and I, I was all good. And then a friend of mine calls and says he saw her at a bar with another gentleman and bang, my heart breaks. Wow. You know, like I, I, I don't know what I thought I had given that a thought, but the reality of it yeah. punched in the face big time. And were you guys divorced at that point? Was that after yeah. you were? And yeah. just out of curiosity, how long after the actual, you know, uh, final signatures and everything being finalized, did that happen? Two weeks. She didn't waste any time, huh? Well, let me ask, how long were you guys separated before the divorce? If at all, we got it done in 60 days in 60 days. Uh, is it unreasonable to think that that was going on? Her little thing was going on before, uh, the divorce happened. She's an awfully high character woman. Didn't like me, but I would be surprised if she cheated. Okay. Um, you got to admit it is interesting two weeks though. And she's on the arm of somebody else. You might be seeing my ability to occasionally stuff my head in the sand too. Well, and you know, I mean, maybe you know, maybe that was their first date, or or who knows what. But uh, she clearly didn't spend a lot of time grieving the divorce. Didn't take him any time no. to work on her shit or whatever afterwards. Now, maybe she was working on it in advance. But uh, I don't think you're going to get any disagreement from anybody that two weeks is pretty fucking quick, um, and it, it makes it a little challenging to believe that something wasn't stirring. Whether or not she was cheating, I don't know, but. It's just, that's pretty quick. Anyway, it hurt is the point. Um, and then it hurt for about eight to 12 months. You said after about eight months, I started dating and uh, that took the edge off. Um, okay. And then um, just going back to your paragraph here, you in previously you had said you'd been slow to trust. And so you've been slow to trust since the divorce because what? In one sentence or less, because what? Why? Somebody loved me and then somebody didn't love me and I didn't know why. I didn't know what I had done. Therefore, and God, I spent my, I, this much I know from the work that I had, I spent my entire childhood chasing that around. My, you know, the, there wasn't a whole lot of time for that. For what specifically? The, the whole love thing. Okay. So not, um, not a lot of love in, in your home growing up. And then you're in this marriage. Did you feel loved in the marriage? For a while. When did it sort of stop for you? Or when did you not feel it anymore? Soon as pretty much as I started wanting to do my own thing, I moved my family for a job. And it was at that point that it started to really go. She didn't like the idea I shouldn't have done it, but why'd you do I it? Did. Why'd you do it? I wanted to get back home. Fair enough. Um, had opportunity uh, back home. Um, some things that really were promising looking had a better opportunity to take advantage of a network. And so uh, you're saying in, in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have done it is a result that you believe that that is tied to the divorce. I shouldn't have done it because it caused the divorce. Not, uh, is that the main reason that you feel you shouldn't have done it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you go on to say in your paragraph, 
I don't trust my inner voice anymore. Is that primarily because of the heartbreak of being dumped by this woman or where does that come from? The wife divorced me. The relationship after that went four years and change. I left the relationship uh, and I moved out of the house, but I could tell I was <laughs> two steps ahead of the posse. She, you know, she was cold. So that came apart ultimately. And now here I am again. And I'm like, the fuck, dude, your picker is broke. <laughs> sure. Or, or your how to behave in a relationship is broke or, you know, something. I've always just been the greater fool, right? I will figure out a way to make it work. Uh, wait, how is being the greater fool always equal to always figuring out a way to make it work? Well, if the if the greater fool is the person who's delusional and full of enough ego that they believe they can succeed where others have failed, that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I've thought about myself. And yet all this stuff hasn't worked. All this stuff hasn't worked. And when you say all this stuff, you don't just mean the women. You mean career, too, or what? Uh, career's been fine. I, I, okay. But at, at this point right now, the career that I'm currently in was about to not work. Right. Um, although you're sort of inheriting that mess. I mean, that's or that whatever. So when you say um, basically it all, you know, gets fucked up, you're referring to love, basically. And, gee, I must be doing something wrong or, or something, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then you make two interesting comments towards the end. You say, I was a people pleaser. Now I wonder if I'm the narcissist slash extreme taker. Um, so what is it that makes you think you might be the extreme taker now? Because maybe I just don't have a clue. If I was a narcissist, I wouldn't ask myself if I was a narcissist mm-hmm. all this time. And... I've thought of myself as a certain way, and that's where I say my compass gets so messed up, I'm going, Jesus, maybe maybe you're not. Maybe you are just an asshole. And Okay. Just out of curiosity, um, if you were to just spitball it, knowing you could change your mind later today or tomorrow, whatever, do you believe that you are, when you're in relationship with a woman, do you believe that you are rude or selfish or, um, you know, don't apologize when you've done something, you know, screwed up no. or something. You don't believe that no. you are. And the reason you don't I, believe you are is because why? I'm probably too far the other way. So the extreme giver tendencies that, uh, you know, you say sort of, I believe you said originated in childhood or this notion that it's all about mom and dad's fucking feelings and my feelings don't matter and I have to step in and, and stop things and, and so forth. That idea of serving, you know, them or whatever has sort of transferred into your life of, of giving and making about the other person and making them happy, that sort of thing. Is that ballpark? I always got love when I was performing. Okay. All right. Um, just out of curiosity, I come from a family of five brothers and a, and a sister. You come from a family of four brothers. Was there a golden child in the family? Oh, yeah. Was it you? No. <laughs> oh, that drew a laugh. What were you, no. Which son were you? I was second in line, and I played guitar because my older brother didn't. <laughs> okay, so you could carve out your own way. So presumably the oldest was the golden child. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. 
So then let me ask you, um, if you were to sum up, because the career seems to be doing well, you know, but with the, the, the love is clearly you have a lot of um, sort of lack of self-confidence and, and so forth there. What sum up your problem overall in one sentence, if you would, please. I don't trust my inner voice at the moment. And why, and this is going to sound stupid, but why is that a problem? How is that manifesting as a problem? Anxiety. Anxiety. And how does not trusting your inner voice lead to anxiety? My entire life, I have been able to absorb a hit and go, I'll do this. Or, you know, have something go bad and have a solution. No, no complaint about it. No, none of that. It's just been, okay, this happened. Now I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And it always... I don't know whether it was right or not, but it made sense to me so I could act and I could go forward and I could get to another place. And on this one, I'm going, fuck. My inner voice has failed me enough times now that maybe, you know, maybe it's got nothing for me. Okay, fair. And you know? so if your inner voice had been working... What would be in your life that isn't in your life right now? What would you have now if you, if your inner voice were working, what would you have? What is the biggest thing you have that you most want that you don't have that you believe your inner voice has screwed you over on? A healthy relationship with a real partner is the thing I most want that I don't have. Mm -hmm. But to go back to questioning my inner voice, I'm asking myself, man, maybe you just need to need that less. How do you do that? That's why I'm talking to you. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Good answer. Uh, and uh, I'll be, so let me ask you then, um, in a lot of homes growing up, uh, in a lot of homes, not all, uh, but there are certain things, uh, certain emotions that are allowed and certain ones that aren't. In some homes, all emotions are allowed. Um, I've had clients where, in fact, I just had one today. Uh, a fellow grew up in a home where, um, he said, you know, I held back from having any sort of success. I was much smarter than I showed in school. I held back in sports because if I had anything that was good or made me happy, my mother would undercut it and, you know, my father would mock it and so whatever. So I learned to just not stick out and to never, ever express happiness because they would do something to then hurt me. So I was just flat. Uh, in some homes, you know, from yours, my generation, Rob's generation, a lot of boys get the message, you know, big boys don't cry or girls got the message, I'll give you something to cry about. So sadness wasn't allowed. In some homes, anger was not allowed. You know, tantrums, no way, or we're all just so calm and whatever that n no flare-ups and anger would not be tolerated. Was there a f one feeling above all else in your home, and maybe there wasn't, uh, that would have been least tolerated in your home? Anything that broke the peace at all. Interesting. Anything that broke the peace. And yet you earlier described your home as never peace in the house. Right. So it went on pretty often. The breaking of the, broke the peace. Somebody broke the peace. Let me ask you though. So anything that broke the peace was not good. So does that mean only the underlying message was only in mom and dad can break the peace? Only dad can break the peace or only golden child can break the peace? Or what are we talking about here? Dad. I see. So dad's feelings ruled the roost. Yep. I see. 
And uh, dad's primary feeling was what? Angry all the time. And did dad have a favorite target? Yep. Was it you? Yeah. It was you. I see. And so let me ask you this, just out of curiosity, um, what's your earliest memory of being dad's target? The very earliest thing you can remember, even if it's only a hazy memory. We were supposed to go to a movie on a summer evening, and I remember my face being all stingy and like stinging. And it was because we had taken the belt the day before and it was from all the salt and whatnot rolling down our face. And I would have put that at, you know, five years old, maybe. And just so I'm clear, the stinging was the salt rolling down from you, the salt from your tears rolling down your face and getting into the wounds. It no, like just my skin and my eyes being irritated. Okay, and just so I'm clear, you got the belt to your back, belt to your ass, or belt to your face? Ass. I, to your ass. Okay, so again, I'm just honestly wanting to understand, not trying to be offensive or anything. Why would the tears sting going down your face? Because I spent enough time crying the day before that it left it all irritated, I think. Okay, so you're getting the belt at five years old. And uh, and I had asked you, you know, was there a particular shit stick in the family, a favorite target? And it was you. Um, and so the earliest you recall getting that is at five years old. Let me ask you, what is the effect on a five-year-old of feeling uh, parents' displeasure? I mean, you know, I grew up in an era, I got spanked. Most people would probably say I should have been spanked more. Um, so I turned out this way. Uh, and, uh, but what was the effect of you of at some point figuring out you were the target or, or, and, or, or you can take this one if you prefer. Do you recall verbal message that often accompanied the physical, um, flagellation from, from dad? Were there, or, or just a common message you got from your old man? Were there particular words or a particular sentence? Goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> Oh. Little bastards, uh, Little you know, bastard. that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And uh, then what was the message that you internalized from the beatings, from the goddamn son of a bitch and little bastard and, and all this? How did you see yourself? Whether it My was dad a, didn't like me. The dad didn't like me. And when did you draw the distinction and maybe it was later in life. Maybe it was just last year. I don't know. When did you draw the distinction that I'm eating more shit than my brothers are? That clearly he has a dislike more for me. High school. High school. And what was the uh, what was sort of the eye opener on that one? Because you'd been eating shit quite a while. If the realization doesn't come till high school, that means the evidence had been accruing prior to that. So, what sort of was the eye opener for you in high school? My older brother went to college. Mm -hmm. Now I was the only person, you know, in, in some areas excelling at the high school, doing different extracurricular things and having some success. And all of a sudden I got completely different treatment. Oh, wow. And you hadn't noticed that previously. Wow. Okay. So you were no. producing basically at the same or near the same level as you know, superstar big brother. And then, but where's my praise? Wow. And what is that? What did it feel like to have that realization? I don't know that I really allowed myself to feel it, 
as much as I made myself produce or perform more. Right. Because if I just do more, if I just do more, then I'll get the praise. And so just out of curiosity, backing up then to the younger years, whether it's five or eight, when you had the realization, we were having these repeated realizations, dad doesn't, didn't like me. Um, but it wasn't until high school that you realized, yeah, I mean, like, I'm like, he really doesn't like me. Um, or that, you know, it's unique to me that I am the, the sort of the sh- family shit stick. What does, what did you as a child convert dad doesn't like me into? What did that say about me? What did that cause you to believe about yourself? I was not worth a, I was not worth a shit if I wasn't performing something cool. Interesting. And it sounds like by the time you get in high school, even if you were performing something cool, you still weren't getting the praise. So I wasn't worth a shit. And so is it, unless I was performing. Um, and so then it's reasonable that that has progressed through life, that my worth comes from what I'm doing. Yeah, and let me ask you this. If you were to just draw, uh, just do a percentage, what percent, and there's no right or wrong answer, all right? Whatever feels right to you. What percent of your worth comes for you personally, as you see yourself, what percent comes from what I do and what percent comes from just who I am or being versus doing? What's the percentage? 80, 20, 40, 60? Today or for most of my life? Most of your life. 80, 20 on what I do. And today? The other way. Really? What caused that shift? Just to have enough at some point. Okay. I mean. Although not enough for your uh, wife, clearly. Enough for my kids. That's beautiful. Um, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's a good thing. I'm seeing a pattern good, here. Good, because I can't find one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, you started by telling me your parents die and you didn't feel anything. And that's fine. I got to be honest, when my mother passed away in 91, in, excuse me, at the age of 93 in 21, I didn't have a lot of feeling either, if I'm honest. I had been, in the case of my parents, they're in their 90s, I had been deliberately preparing myself, seeing it, getting my feelings out, and so on and so forth uh, for quite some time. And there have been some feelings since, uh, but, and I adored my parents and so forth, um, and uh, had a very intimate relationship with them all of my life, really. So I, on one hand, I can understand that. It could be an indicator of something else, not necessarily. Um, and then you talk about, you know, your divorce from the wife. I was fine until I saw her two weeks later with someone. It hit me for, you know, really eight months to a year, but it was really eight months because then I met someone and that took the edge off. And sort of the, those intense, extraordinarily painful feelings went away. But interestingly, they weren't even there until you saw her with someone else. So the feelings of the divorce and seeing it coming, because you got the divorce, sure, on, you know, I'll just say March 1st but of X year of 2016. But come on, you'd been talking about it for, you know, probably years or whatever by the time uh, 2016 rolls around. Um, and uh, so you really weren't feeling a thing until you saw her on somebody else's uh, arm. And then... You said uh, in high school when I had this realization, Dad really doesn't like me. That I'm he likes me less. Really, um, I didn't allow myself to feel it. Telling phrase, I didn't allow. In other words, I shut that shit down. I didn't want to feel it. Too painful. Too painful. Um, so, a couple of questions. First of all, I want to ask this: To what degree? I know your parents are deceased. To what degree? Are you still today wanting to please your father or hopefully get his praise? To what today, 
point today are you hoping to either, A, yes, I'm aware he's dead. To what degree are you still either trying to get his praise or stop his criticisms? Still a pretty high degree. Give me a spitball of percentage. Oh, 85. 85% still trying. And which would you say it is? I'm still trying to get dad's praise or I'm still trying to avoid his disapproval? To what degree is your, has your life been spent trying to get his approval? To what degree has your life, at the very least, been spent trying to get him to stop criticizing or looking down on you? Yeah, get his approval, big chunk. Okay, fair. Big chunk. And 85% right up until today. Your life is being spent hoping to get the approval of a now dead father. Today I'm doing the job that he did when he was alive. And I'll bet and, you don't feel any pressure to make that shit work because you'll hear his fucking voice in your head. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And just, uh, about, just about constantly. Okay. And so then, in a way then, if I'm hearing you correctly, your dad's voice has been driving your entire life. That all yeah. of my decisions have either been determined by or significantly influenced by wanting the old man's approval. I would say that's probably true. Okay. So then what that means, Mac, is that you haven't been your authentic self. You're not you. You are this derivative. You are this sort of response. And in my book, uh, there's a hole in my love cup. I have a chapter in there where I talk about the power of the third path and that every child grows up and or as we come to life, there's every crossroads, every decision, large, medium, small, is a decision between sort of the path of the good boy and the path of the rebel. And there's, because from when we're very, very young, it's very clear what's expected of us, whether it's good manners or always succeed or whatever it might be, those, those expectations are clear or don't make a lick of noise in the house or whatever it might be. And the child knows what's expected. And it's constantly reinforced, but shit, the parent could die at age eight, and now that shit's so imprinted in the child. So you've got the path of the good boy that listens to is listening to the external voice and says, oh, "I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to be the good boy, and I'm going to do the right thing." And then there's the path of the rebel, which usually happens after they realize, even when I go the good boy path or good girl path, I don't get the praise. So then they go, well, "What is the external power source saying?" Well, I'm going to go the opposite. Fuck you, right? And they go the opposite. And rebels are easy and fun to like because they got such spirit, right? And good boys are fun to like because they're predictable and they're nice and they're pleasant, right? But the problem with both of those cases is they're both still responding to an external power source. The, the rebel is just doing the opposite of the, what the, so neither of them is actually listening to their own internal voice. So once you, and, and so the real challenge then is, is for the person on the good boy path, the challenge is to begin to push out those voices that are causing me, that I'm wanting to respond to, get praise from, or get them to stop criticizing me, and so, so that I don't have to just be the good boy. And the problem with the rebel isn't just to close out the external voice, but to quiet the internal voice that's just always wanting to say fuck you for, to life. And they're saying fuck you because they've been hurt so much. All right? And I got that, him too. I'll bet you do. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no problem. And so there's some of both, right? And so what happens, though, is we're still responding to an external power source until we get the voice, except now the external power source, it's, it's been in you. Once it's in you at a young age, it's just in you. And you think it's your own voice. You think that critical voice, if I fail, oh, my, I'm my own worst critic. No, you weren't. You never were. You're not. It's somebody else's voice inside of you. So that voice inside of you, even now at age 60, is driving your life. Um, and, and you said so yourself, 85%. 85%. And so the effect then on relationships, it's not that your picker is broken. 
It, but when you say, you know, uh, my compass is busted. Yeah. Your dad smashed that. Your, and your mom didn't protect you. Let's be, I, and I, I don't mean to be mean. She was a sweet old woman, but she didn't get you the fuck out of there. And you and I are roughly the same age. We're a bit younger than Rob. Um, just a little poke there, Rob, I'm playing. Um, but back in, I, when I know when I was growing up in 70s, 80s, there were fucking shelters. There were places where you could go with your kids and so on and so forth. And in most parts of America, at least. Um, and she didn't protect you. And in fact, probably appreciated you stepping in, which feels good, you know, and protecting her, which feels good when you're the little boy, you feel like a hero, you feel like you're doing the right thing, but what the fuck? I'm having to protect an adult? No, 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 this is all fucked up. So what I, anyway, so getting back to the theme that I saw, you said, you know, I was taught dad didn't like me from a very young age, and then it was high school when I, uh, well, let me ask you this, actually, I wanna ask you that, so you said by high school, I didn't allow myself to feel the fact that I realized I was dad's, you know, sort of his chosen um, uh, whipping boy, so to speak, and not just physically, but verbally and so forth. When, and I didn't allow myself to feel that. When do you think, what would you say the age is? I mean, you, you, I think you've mentioned that you like music. Well, people and perform music and so forth. Uh, people who perform music very often, you know, the best ones, they can emote and they can get out their feelings and so forth. And so they're... I guess I'm just wondering, when did you shut down your feelings? If you're already shutting down that massive realization by high school, when did you stop feeling or shutting down your feelings as much as you can or whatever? Because you didn't have the feelings in the divorce until you saw her in someone's arm. You didn't allow yourself to feel it in high school, and you're not feeling feelings now when your parents die. So I'm just wondering, when did you stop feeling or largely stop? And maybe you didn't. I'm just curious. I don't know the answer to that one. I shed a couple of tears at the funeral and at mom's bedside, of course, and whatnot. It shit's been I I cry at songs. I mm -hmm. there are there are songs I literally can't play because I can't choke my way through them. What do you think and is I the hardest emotion for you to express? To actually find or feel? Acceptance? Is that an emotion? Sure, I feel accepted. Right, and that makes sense because you hadn't been accepted basically your whole life. So here's, I guess what I'm getting at here, where I'm going with this is it just seems to me that I'm willing to bet you have a lot of feelings that you've been packing down for a very long time. If for no other reason, we know definitively that you deliberately did not allow myself to feel the feelings when I discovered I was the cho dad's chosen one, his chosen little, the bad one, right, in his eyes. And that's profoundly disappointing. It's been so disappointing that you've spent your entire life trying to get it, trying to get the very thing that you never had, acceptance, for dad to be proud, for dad to give you praise, for dad to say, that's my boy, come here, come here, you know, give you a big, that You've been wanting that your whole life. So that that's an indicator of how great the pain was. You've literally spent the last 42-ish years trying to get it. That's how, how much pain there is in there just over that one. And that's no doubt sadness, but also, you know, and we haven't even hardly even touched on your mom. The thing we have to understand about feelings, and you've maybe heard me say this before, when it comes to feelings, feelings are just, feelings just enter in and then they leave. Some linger for a while, some linger for a long while, but as long as we allow them, welcome them, and allow ourselves to feel them, eventually they pass. 
all right? It's when we block them, or to use your words, don't allow ourselves to feel, when we bottle it up, when we shut it down, that's when it packs in there. But the feelings are just like a train, comes into town, lets people off the train, people get on the train, train leaves town, right? But if we don't allow the train into town or don't allow it to leave town, it all fucking piles up. And so we already have evidence that you've done that to some degree. And what I'm offering is you have a lot of pain in there and every single feeling is natural. Now, there are some we don't like to feel, like hurt or sadness or rage or even hatred. There's some we don't like to feel, but it doesn't change the fact that it's actually there and we actually do feel it. It would be very difficult for, or it would be very difficult for me to believe that a, a little boy is going through all this shit and he doesn't feel some measure of hatred at some point or another. Children expect, express hatred all the time and so on and so forth. And yet at that degree, um, you know, and that's where it gets a little muddy. So I'm just curious, just out of curiosity, if you were to be totally honest, Mac, what percent do you hate your mom for not protecting you, for not getting you the fuck out of there, for you, her allowing you to take the bullets rather than stepping in front and saying, no, kid, I got this. And by the way, we're getting the fuck out of here. What percent, and it, and it may be zero. It may be, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but what percent do you hate your mom? I want to say zero because- I want to say that I have just decided to give my mom a pass. Okay. Well, wait a minute. I have decided to give my mom a pass <laughs> says that, yes, there are feelings. There are potentially feelings there, but I, I'm just going to push them away. Okay. That's us not allowing the train into town and definitely not allowing it out of town. If you were to still choose to give your mom a pass tomorrow, but to allow up the feelings today, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've decided to give mom a pass because she's a sweet old lady, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Forgive me, but you are a fucking child. You are a five-year-old getting whipped with a belt. Now, I don't know of many things a five-year-old can do that deserve a belt. In fact, I can't think of any. A belt. A, me neither. And and even a spanking, it's, it's you know, at it that's an indicator of a parent who's out of control, right? Okay, and so a belt, it's like, so I'm getting whipped with a belt as a child. And, you know, I, you're choosing to give your mom a pass. I get it and so on and so forth. I want to say 0%. The question is, is that your answer? And if it is, that's okay. No. 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 Okay, what's it's your not, answer? There, there's some. I mean, there's... Ballpark? There had, to be 10 or, there had to be 10 or 20 slip through there. 10 somehow. or 20. Fair. And what percent do you hate your dad? That's a bigger number. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm not trying to pressure you, but what 50, would it be? 50%. 50. Right. Right. And so these are feelings. My mom should get 52. Wow. And why should mom get 50? Because they were both part of the same dumpster fire that they both let go on. Right. Neither of them protected you. And if, and especially, you know, if we think of, parenting as provide and protect sort of, you know, protect and serve like the police say, protect. Who's protecting the fucking kids? And I don't mean from the wind and the rain. Yeah, that's important too. But emotionally protecting the kids and making them feel, you know, unaccepted and like they're not liked by their own parents. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is there are a lot of feelings inside of you still. A lot. And the more you allow yourself, give yourself permission to feel that which is real and open up to, maybe I don't feel any hate or maybe I do, but if I did, what might it be? Or I, maybe I don't feel any sadness over 
um, you know, the, my, this woman leaving after six months of dating. Maybe I don't anymore, but maybe I do. And if I do, how much? And this is where the journaling comes in. This is where the letter writing comes in. If you and I were counseling together, as I'd say to you, you know, let's start with you. Let's just start with the obvious one and write a letter to your dad. And, you know, maybe you have a cup of coffee with it, maybe you have a beer, whatever, and just start flushing it out. Every memory that you can possibly think of that has any sort of emotional charge to it, like you fucking dick. I was, I made it to state in, you know, hockey and you didn't come to my fucking game. Jesus, was it, would it have been that hard? Is that too much to ask? You dick, you fucking dick. I fucking hate you for that shit or whatever it might be. And flushing it out. So start with a letter to dad and allow yourself to feel it all. And as those feelings come up, the tightness in your chest, the sweating, the whatever it is, allow it up. And the other obvious one would be the one that you, the breakup that you just had and allow those feelings to come up, whatever it is. And not just the feelings, the thoughts. What the fuck? Who walks away and says that shit? Is that the real reason? What's your, Even if you're just confused over it, even if it just comes out as scribbles or you're all over the place, let it be that. But it's beginning to flush it out through journaling, through letter writing. But the truth is, Mac, you got a lot of shit inside you. You do. A lot of love inside you, a lot of loss, a lot of sadness, and, and a lot of anger. And what causes us to lose our compass is all of that emotion. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Have you, and it's kind of a dumb question, but honest question. Have you ever been in an argument? Let's say in, with someone you love or maybe with one of your brothers. Have you ever been in an argument? You get so swollen so pregnant with emotion that you say shit that like a week later, it's like, fuck, I, you know what? I, sh God, why did I say that? Or you get so swollen with fear or anger that you make a career decision or a work related decision that it's like, if I hadn't been so angry in that moment, or if I hadn't been so overcome with grief, I would have totally not made that decision. Have you ever had that happen to you? Absolutely. Okay. So then it stands to reason that if that can happen in the moment, it can happen over a lifetime. That as we get so full of more and more emotions that we're not allowing ourselves to feel, those feelings build up and build up and build up over time. And we just start making bad decisions. We're off our compass because all those feelings are inside of us packed on top of your original voice is in there. It's always been there. It's just that all the other messages, you're no good unless you're doing something impressive. Well, fuck, you want to talk about something that'll disorient you from your own uh, inner voice? That's it. That's one. Or you're not lovable or we don't accept you and you spend your whole life, I got to get acceptance. I got to I got to prove. I got to prove. I got to sell. I got to do whatever. So you've got all these other voices and the way we get those out is beginning to flush them out with journaling, with letter writing, my book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. All of these are tools to get those voices out of you. That, it, is this making any sense at all? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, uh, I, and I would encourage you to begin that process, Mac. I really would, because that's where the answer is. I guarantee it's beginning to get that out. And the more we do it, relief comes with it. We begin to feel a bit lighter when we allow ourselves to be honest, because what that honest is, that's the, the feelings that that 17 year old kid really felt when he discovered his man, old man didn't, not only didn't like him, but really didn't like him. When he discovered, you know, or at the very young ages, all those authentic feelings, you're finally giving that five-year-old boy, that 15-year-old boy, a 28-year-old young man, you're finally giving him his voice and what he was really feeling. And it's a profoundly liberating. And I guarantee your compass will get, and you'll, uh, will improve. But not only that, your relationships will improve because you're finally being you. You're finally being and she proved to you when she left you, you're not doing, you're not doing what I want you to do, I'm leaving. So even she linked your worth to doing 
what she wanted, just like dad, linked to doing what he wanted. Mac, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to ask you to just stick around after the show for a minute, but I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for talking to me. Pleasure was ours. I appreciate it. You betcha. You betcha. And on behalf of KC and Rob, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners around the world. This has been another episode of The Badass Counseling Show. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day. Kick-ass day.